Hi, I'm Desiree. Hi, I'm Beth. We're two friends whose paths serendipitously crossed, searching for our own healing from chronic illness. While our journeys are uniquely our own, what we've learned is that healing lies in the process of forgetting who we were taught to be and remembering who we always were. Even though this journey can feel impossible, it's also an invitation into the greatest gift one can ever receive. So we're here to remind you that you're not alone. In the depths of chronic illness, we can choose to grow community built on love and grace. These stories are the medicine we hope to share with you in this podcast as we explore what it means to be in the process of 100% healing. Welcome to the 100% Healing Podcast. This is a podcast where we explore the journey of forgetting to remembering and the gift of chronic illness. Welcome to the show today. Today we have a treat. I am here with a very, very dear friend, Kat Jensen. Um, and so just reflecting on this a moment ago as we got started to be here with Kat and Desiree is um, really filling my heart up. And so I'm really excited for you all to get to know Kat. She has an incredible story. And um, it's one that I've had the honor of hearing in layers. And I am just really excited to hear what comes through her today. So let me tell you a little bit about Kat before she jumps in. Kat Jensen is a practitioner and facilitator of presence who teaches others how to embody and express their light and love as an overflow offering rather than joining others in their shadow. She is here to disrupt the way we live amongst and with others and invites people to stand more fully in choice and join the path toward liberation. She believes expansion doesn't have to be hard, but rather a joyful and curious unfolding if we surrender. She supports those who want to release controlled identities of self to have a deeper and more intimate experience of life by coming back into their wholeness, their most wild, vibrant, big, playful, and alive expression of their presence. So welcome, Kat. Hi, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, I, I call her Callie Cat because Cat <laughs> is in California. <laughs> and um I'm, you know, wondering, Kat, there's there's so many entry points here today that we could start with. And I know you have a, a big story that spanned really most of your adult life. It's been twenty plus years in the making. And so um, I'm just going to open it up to you to see where you feel led to kind of have an entryway into us getting to know a little bit about you and your story. Thanks, Beth. Um, yeah, we're going to just go all the way back to the beginning. Um, as I was thinking about it the other day, I was like, oh, I could start with like when the medical test started and when things started to go weird. And I'm like, well, we just we're going to go back to the womb. Because um, for me, the illness that has been in my body um, is a product of all of the life experiences that I've had. Um, and unfortunately, my trauma started in the womb. So um, my sister and I are really close in age. Uh, we are what someone call Irish twins. We're less than two years apart. She's older than me. And so I wasn't planned. I was a surprise to my parents. And the story of my birth, um, the narrative around that is that as soon as I was known, as soon as I was seen, as soon as my existence was an awareness, I was a burden and I was too much. And um, rather than getting to just be worthy because I existed and because I took breath um, and having joy around that, uh, it, it was a, a difficult time um, for for my family. And so um, there was other traumas that I kind of took in in the womb, and I ended up being born six weeks early because of that. And I was put in an incubator. And so I went from being in this unsafe space where I had to create out of that container Um then I was placed in a plastic box for two weeks. And unfortunately, at that time, they didn't kangaroo and they didn't have parents go in and, and touch and hold their children in the way that they do now. 
And I'm sure the nurses probably came in and took care of me as much as they could. But I went from not having safety in the womb to being alone in the world. And as much as I don't have a, a video recorder uh, of those memories, um, I know my body took that in. And there's so much truth to me um, from what followed that, that I took that in. And, um, and so I, I think that was, that was the start. And then unfortunately after that, my childhood was also trauma continued. There was, um, a lot of chaos in my home for a lot of different reasons. And, um, generally the, the way that I look at it is there just wasn't enough love to go around. Um, cause everyone kind of had their, their own stuff going on and it was, it was serious level, uh, stuff. Um, there was addiction, there was mental illness, there was, um, emotional and verbal abuse. There was, I was sexually assaulted as a child in young adulthood. I was sexually assaulted again. Um, and all of this I took in and I unfortunately had, a uh, one parent who was an overreactor, one parent who was an underreactor. And so there's just a lack of attunement, um, to supporting me. And I think everyone did the best that they could, but I was a really aware and perceptive child. And I think there's a lot of gift in that. And I think actually a lot of people with um, chronic health stuff, uh, they, they tend to be. Um, they really take in everything. And I took in everything and, and, I, and I saw everything. And I was a really, really joyful and playful child. I laughed a lot. I could be caught dancing. I'd bring the boombox outside. I'd just be dancing and doing silly moves. And I was really loving and kind. And I liked to climb trees. And it was, I just had this, this purity of heart as, as we all do at that age. Um, and I had, I had a lot of light, I think. But I existed in, in a space that had a lot of darkness. And so that light wasn't welcome. Um, and I learned how to hide because that light, uh, it showed things. It illuminated things. Um, and I was born a truth teller, <laughs> good or bad. I was, I was born a truth teller. Uh, and so I was made wrong um, because if, if I illuminated things and people didn't want to change, then they had to police my behavior. Um, because that was the only way out. That was the only way out. And so um, a wound was created there when I was asked to accommodate other people um, and their feelings rather than being shown up for. A, a wound was created that I'm not going to get my needs met, um, that I'm alone in this. I kind of resigned myself to that, that I'm, I'm alone in the world. And what was really painful was that I never forgot who I was like most people do. I loved myself. You know, I, I was telling Beth and Desiree before we got on, you know, I, I often joke that I have a delusional sense of self-confidence and I, and I do, I am a confident person. People are sometimes amazed by it. Like, where does this come from? And I, I, I can't take credit for it. I was just born with it. I don't, I don't know where it came from. Um, it surprises me sometimes. But the wound was that I really saw who I was and I loved myself. And I was just longing and had this deep desire um, to be loved. And it just, it just wasn't there. You know, or, or it was there a little bit, but it, it was conditional, which is, is not the same thing. And so, you know, I had grandparents who did love me, but, you know, it's, it's not the same as, as inside your house. And so I, um, I really felt unseen and unappreciated and alone. And so I took that on and I became a really independent person. I became really self-reliant. I created a successful and beautiful life. Um, because I, I just thought this is what I get. And well, I can love myself. If I can't trust others to, to meet me there, I can love myself. And 
unfortunately, because I then had to shut other people out to exist in this, this structure I created, um, there was some truth that I had to shut out too. So as much as that's, that's what I wanted people to not do to me, I learned how to do that to myself. And I lived in this wild disconnect. And I um, ignored my body along the way. Because my body, oh my goodness, she talks to me. And she gives me so much information. And I think even more than most. And, you know, it's not that I didn't listen to her along the way. But I had a lot of bypass. I had a lot of... A lot of ways in which I bypassed and, um, you know, I, and I in, internalized some, some legacy burdens. And so, you know, as much as I didn't feel like I fit within my family, I, I got to this point in, in my own inner work that I realized, oh my goodness, I'm just like them. They think they're alone. They make things harder than they are. They were taught to just put your head down and push through. I'm from the Midwest, and so I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, and so there's a big culture there about sweeping things under the rug, and you give a pretty presentation. It's American culture to some degree, but the Midwest, man, they really, they're really family-oriented, and you just, you, you fake it. You fake it, and you make things look good. And um, to me, there's what I like to call, there's the energy of lying. And I really joined with that. As much as I thought I was in truth, I really joined with that for a long time. And it was insidious because I, I thought I wasn't. And so I really took that into my body because I'm a truth teller. And that is so much a part of my essence. It's a, it's a gift that I was given for whatever reason. And lying's really hard for me. Some people, I'm amazed by it. I don't understand it. I'm curious what you guys think about it, but I don't like lying. Some people have no problem with it and they're like, it's no big deal. What's the big deal? Or like, oh, a little white lie. I don't even like white lies. I, I just, especially at this stage now when I, I feel a lot more embodied in my truth. Um, oh man, people really, really want me to lie. And I just... Um, I can't do it. And I think I'm, I am finally listening um, to what my body's told me all along. It just wasn't going to al allow that. Some people can get away with it. I, I just, I couldn't. So, so my symptoms started when I was young. They started in high school. I would say it, it really started getting bad my senior year of high school, which um, makes a lot of sense for me because my my sister had gone off to college and I was alone in the house and it just became even that much more intense and um I started getting tonsillitis all the time you know and I remember it so vividly I don't know if you guys ever had that where you get those little white brains at the back of your throat and they they're so gross and I don't know I would take a q-tip and like poke them out and try to get them out and um so it has all these vivid memories of, of doing that because it was so painful. And now when I look back, I'm like, of course, that's the first manifestation. I mean, other than like broken bones and stitches as a child, you know, I, I like I said, I, I climbed trees, you know, that, that's to be expected. Um, of course, I, I have my throat impacted. I didn't have voice, you know, and I, I'm a big believer. There's, there's things that manifest in our bodies that really to me sometimes are a little on the nose you know of of what they're <laughs> what's being blocked and 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 how that's then expressing in our body and so so stuff started happening so I didn't get that taken care of right away I get into my freshman year of college and in the spring semester I'm hospitalized for for mono but I didn't just have mono I um I was internally bleeding. I had a hemorrhage inside my spleen. Um, it almost ruptured. It was it was six to seven times the size of normal, and I had to withdraw early from from my freshman year, and finish my written correspondence and be put on bed rest. And um, I couldn't get in a car unless to go to the doctor for like six months. And 
you know, had to be on all kinds of steroids and medications and, and whatnot. And eventually that resolved um, at least the acute phase of it. But then until my early 20s, I had any and everything upset in my system that one could imagine. I couldn't process food. I thankfully, my my late aunt, um, she was way ahead of her time. She was a chiropractor and an acupuncturist and a Chinese herbalist and an energy worker and all the things. And and so I I was lucky enough to grow up with alternative medicine as the first course of action. Like if you're sick, you take supplements um, and you, you get muscle testing and an adjustment. And, you know, I got acupuncture at four years old. You know, it was just this normal thing back in the 80s when that was really weird. And people used to call her quack, you know, like she, she's not a real doctor. But she really taught me um, about food. You know, I went gluten and dairy free well before that was a thing. And I had to go to these really smelly natural stores. They are way better than they used to be. <laughs> They've come a long way. You know, now it's everywhere, right? Um, and I did the protocols. I did the diet. And, like, things started to get better after time. But it, it, it was a rough road. And I think I just, I was just so on it. I was just, like, really invested in, in making myself feel better. Because when you can't process food in your body, um, that's really embarrassing. And it consumes a lot of your time and it makes you feel so tired and emotionally, physically, and otherwise. And, and so I was resilient. And then in my 20s, I started getting a bunch of UTIs and kidney infections to the point where I was having them so often that I had to be put on antibiotics for a year, which really scared me because even at that age, I'm like, this is not good. But I had had such bad kidney damage um, that my doctor's like, you've got to do this. And I had a lot of fear, you know, being in my early 20s and, and being told that. Um, and now I look back, I'm like, oh, I had one doctor who kind of knew something. She's like, I think you're allergic to your partner who later became my ex-husband. And long story short, I think my body was telling me, get away from him. <laughs> this is not the right person. We're trying to reject him. We're trying to let you know, like, uh-uh, this, this isn't right. But I didn't listen, and I was resilient, and I did all the protocols, and I drank all the water, and I was really good about, you know, um, all the things you do to not have a UTI. You know, it was, I did all the things, and I remained in that relationship for, for much longer than I should have. Um, and the body stuff continued, you know, um, I then, while I was still in this relationship, had the smorgasbord of autoimmune throw a dart, you know, and try to figure it out. I've been tested for all the things, RA, MS, you know, uh, adrenal fatigue, all, all the things. I was having all these weird symptoms, you know, and they did, they'd find some things here or there, you know, I had a vitamin D deficiency. Oh, it, that's it, you know, or. Or they'd be like, oh, you, you know, you have low vitamin B or you have this or that. And, and, and they'd, you know, kind of help some things for a while, but then some new thing would pop up and then some new thing would pop up. And um, it's, it's just interesting looking back at like, wow, I don't, I don't think I have that big of a story and, and we're not even done yet. And I say even all of this, or as I've talked to Beth over the years about it, and and heard what she's been through or she's heard what I've been through and some of the reflections back. I'm like, wow, I just put my head down and I dealt with it. And most people, if they had one of these things, that would be so much. And I I have one mentor. She she likes to call me, no, well, not anymore. She says I've I've transformed, which I, I agree. But for a long time she called me a walnut. And she's like, Yeah, you know, you're a tough nut to crack. And a walnut kind of looks like a brain and you're too smart. And so you can figure out how to bypass and you can figure out, um, you know, how to kind of put enough band-aids on there so that it's okay. But like, you know, eventually the wound comes open again. And I think the tricky part here too, was that, um, 
it's not that I wasn't doing the other things that I actually think help you get to healing. But because I'm this walnut or was this walnut, I made that bypass too. And so I'll explain that in a minute. But so I have the first stage is like all these medical illnesses, sometimes diagnosed, sometimes not, you know, like so many other things I'm not naming that they maybe thought were it at some point. Um, and then because apparently that wasn't working, my body decided to um, bring in physical injury. And so then I started having a lot of um, falls. And so like so many before have named on this podcast and in other places where, you know, this stuff comes up, I was that vegan runner, you know, I was that, certainly a theme here. There's a theme. You're in good company. Walnut, I think we have a theme of walnuts, definitely hard nuts to crack. Yeah. Vegan runners, very resilient, deeply sensitive people. Yeah, you know, we're a type. We are a type, yes, right? We yes. <laughs> we, you know, with so much love. We are oh, my type. goodness. I just, yeah. oh, I just love my little ones inside. Like, they were trying so hard to protect right. me from feeling so much hurt. Um. Oh, I, I'm so in gratitude to them for that. Because you know what? For a time, I did need that. Before I was an adult, before I was on my own, um, it truly was not safe to exist in my life. It truly was not safe for me to not be numb to some degree and to not be that resilient. And so, oh, yeah, I don't need it anymore, but, like, I, I did. And so, so yeah, then, then the bones started breaking, literally. Um, won't go through all my injuries. The worst of them was... Uh, a trail running fall in June, June 30th, 2018. Like, I'll remember that day forever. It changed my life. Um, I used to think in a bad way, and now it's just the, the greatest gift. Like, that is such a demarcation for me. Um, you know, because I was that vegan runner, um, I guess I never gave up fish, but close enough. Uh, I, uh, look at I've been negotiating, right? Um, I... I didn't just run. I lived in Colorado for 11 years. I used to run 14ers. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that's a 14,000 foot mountain. And so, yes, Colorado's at altitude, but I lived in the Denver area, you know, in, in the foothills. And, you know, you're a little over a mile high and a mile high is 5280. So imagine that times about three. And I would run that. And now I'm like, oh, that just sounds terrible. Like, what? Why did I do that? Now when I see people running, I run sometimes, but not as not as much. I feel bad for them. And I, not in a place of judgment, I just like have this heart where I'm like, oh, you know, maybe you're doing it embodied, but I can read energy and I kind of look at them like, I don't know. I don't know if that's what's going on here. And then I just thank myself for being in a different place today, you know? Um, and to be clear, not everyone running is in bypass, right? Like, I, I don't want to project that onto everyone. Um, but if I have a memoir someday, it's going to be, you know, stories of spiritual bypass in the mountains. And, you know, I'm, I'm formally trained as a, as a psychotherapist. And I worked in Colorado a long time. And I can tell you that is, ooh, that is a lot of people's story. And, um... So I had this trail running fall. I was with my running partner, and he was a little bit ahead of me. And about 100 feet before the end, like very close to the end, I wasn't in presence. I was in my head wanting to catch up to him, and I tripped on a tree root. And I, I came down hard, and I'm lucky I'm not paralyzed. Um, and I, I thought in the aftermath of that as... Both my legs and my arms started going numb, and I thought maybe I was going to be paralyzed. And as I had to deal with a neck injury and a hip injury and my ribs being jarred and just all the things that that came after, um, I thought my body had betrayed me. And the greatest gift I've learned is that, no, I was betraying my body. 
and my body was just helping me come into awareness that as much as I had built this beautiful life that, I don't know, I get a lot of feedback that people are jealous of. Like, I live a really beautiful life, and I and I have, and I've had a lot of different versions because my, ba- my bypass is pretty. I've traveled to 70 countries and lived a lot of places and have a successful business, businesses, you know, have a great community, all the things. Um, but I, I wasn't living in, in truth. And there was this, this really big disconnect for me because, um, I was really spiritual and I was doing the emotional work. I was, I was a therapist, you know, um, based in somatics and I loved myself and I had a really amazing self-care regimen, but it wasn't embodied. It was, it was the facade of embodiment and I thought I was. And so there was, um, just, just this, this interesting path. And so I've learned now that because I was so resilient, I needed something really big to get my attention. Ooh, and boy did it. And then what happened after that was what I think is, is healing for everyone. Um, I finally grieved because I couldn't run from it anymore. I couldn't use my body. I could, couldn't walk more than a few blocks without serious pain. And with, and I'd throb even after that, just in so many places. I was in constant chronic pain. I just had to get used to having severe sharp pains at all times that never went away, that I never got a break from for years. It wasn't like a few weeks, a few months. It was years. And it's not that I didn't tell people about it. It's not that I didn't share what I was going through. But I was in all these, you know, what I like to call like life contracts with people where I was strong and I didn't have needs and I took care of myself and I'll show up for you. Um, and so even if I tell you I'm hurting, even if I tell you I'm not okay, even if I try to show you, you don't see it because that that goes against our agreement. And you didn't sign up for that. And so I got to re-experience because I recreated it. You know, I used to feel so hurt by these people, but I invited that in. I'm a big believer. We invite in our wounds to to replay over and over again until we really have have healing from them. And um, they they didn't see me. And they didn't understand what I was going through and they minimized and they dismissed it. Um, and not because they didn't love me, but because I created that. Um, I created a whole life around that, a whole community around that. And so over many years now, I've, I have been grieving and I used to hate it. And now I kind of love it. And I think we all have to grieve to transform it's, it can be a lot to hold, but I like to say, no, it's, it's not good or bad. It's not hard or easy, but it's, um, there can be ease even in the grieving. And me losing use of my body and my bypass allowed me to grieve relationships I hadn't grieved. It allowed me to grieve the childhood that I didn't get to have. It allowed me to grieve how I wasn't being taken care of. It, it allowed me to grieve all the things. Um, and I now understand why it took so many years because I had to honor myself and what I went through. And I think grief and emotions really honor that. Because I used to be in such toxic positivity. Because I had such a walnut brain because I was so crafty with my words, I could say almost immediately when something hard happened, oh, well, I see why this is hard and this is the lesson in it. 
and this is why I'm grateful for it and this is why it's good and like awesome okay moving forward with this in love you know and all of that was true I wasn't wrong (laughs) and I didn't feel into it deep enough to honor the little children inside of me that were scared or hurt or disappointed or sad or angry or whatever they were. Um, They just never got honored. I was never honored. And to me, that was my gap in loving myself. Because outside of grieving and allowing, I think the other big part of healing for me and I think for anyone is love. It's as simple and as complicated as that. It's it's about loving ourselves and it's also about receiving love and having that flow um, not be disrupted. And so, um, you know, I started to understand that I wasn't as good of a player at the game that I thought I was and that the reason why I coached other people is because I was a bad player who really actually had to think through all the steps and um the best coaches are bad players and so I was finally able to embrace that I was finally able to to stop lying to myself um and and step back into what I knew as a really little girl and um I really had to welcome back in that truth teller and not keep her as an outcast or a leper, like on an island by herself. And so what that meant for me, um, because so much of love for me is community. And so I first got honest with myself and was in dialogue with myself. And then I, I chose to start having conversations with people in my life that I really cared about. And, um, as, as I like to say often, I, I started to clean up the roster because not everyone will join you in transformation. And then I had to grieve some more. And I lost a lot of people. I've lost a lot of people because a lot of people can't join you in that. And I, oh, I have such empathy and understanding for that and such love for the people who had a season or two in my life. Um... But my honest truth at this point is if you can't meet me in this this space of freedom and love and honesty and showing up with presence in a way that's really deep and intimate and meaningful, then then that doesn't work for me. And um, so I've been through the fire of refinement um, through these conversations and a miraculous thing happened. As soon as I had the last conversation I deemed as the last big one for me to have, and, and I'll have more of it throughout my life, they'll keep popping up, you know, but I can attend to them in vivo and not have such a backlog. Um, all my chronic pain went away and Almost overnight, I went from if I try to walk on the beach half a mile, I'm throbbing for days to, and I mean this literally overnight, I was able to start hiking nine miles a day. And the only reason I'm hiking that much, I'm, a friend had invited me a couple years ago to, to train for Kilimanjaro. And, and last year, I got to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to do this with her. I'm going to have to cancel. Um, I can barely walk. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And now I'm like, oh all in right timing. Like I'm, I think I am going to be able to do this now and, and hold my body well. Um, cause it was never about the activity I was doing or the running even, or the mileage even. It was that, that was an escape and now it's not. And so now my body seems at this point, at least, to, to be open to that. And so I felt in a really good place and it was, it was interesting. Then a cancer scare came in and I was like, what's, what's happening? I've healed. I'm well. A few, it was just within a few weeks of this all happening. 
of me feeling better, this cancer scare comes in. And I know enough to know, like, well, this was created long ago. This this isn't because of where I'm at in this moment. This was created long ago. And and I was, you know, cleared of that. But I had to sit in that for two months. I didn't know for two months if I had cancer or not. And and my doctor had prepared me. Um, she was pretty convinced I had cancer. I had a lot of tests and I had a lot of biopsies. And it did not look good. She used the word terrible, um, that my results were terrible. <laughs> yeah. And she That's really she, helpful. That's another conversation. <laughs> yeah. It is another conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you clearly didn't take that message in. You didn't take oh. in the terrible. No. I mean, I saw your reactions as I said it and it's like, yeah, I, I appreciate it. I'm so curious about when across. <laughs> well, maybe that's where we pause. I, I love hearing the reflection of others because it's I think it's so good to share our stories to be validated in. Um, yeah, how terrible like that comment might have been. So I am curious maybe to pause with that for a moment to hear your reactions on uh, my doctor saying that. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's just um, it brings up so many memories, I'm sure Desiree for you too, where it's like yeah. how, you know, presence and words can be medicine and they can also be poison. And there is such power. I really realize this now as a therapist more than ever, my, my power as a provider is so great. And I have to be so careful in every interaction I have with a person who's going on a healing journey, because a word like that can get into me <laughs> and eat and eat for, and I'm not exaggerating years. And so I am just honoring so much how you heard that. And here we are on the other side of this cancer scare being told, no, you don't have cancer. And so it, it shows that that didn't, that wasn't allowed. You didn't allow that in, that, that wasn't a truth mm. for you. And I was like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to have that. Um, that's what came up for me. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Very similar. I would say the same thing first. I think uh, initially it was, wow, like I love hearing your version of this and your story too, Kat, because I can say like you're standing in your truth and you're healing. And that's amazing because we know how hard that is to do. Um, we've all experienced those um, doctor's appointments, I think, before we were ready to hear something like that and stand in our truth. And it, like Beth said, eats at you in a way that can haunt you for years. And man, I also was thinking, God, if I had a nickel for every time a doctor told me something was my future, that it was the only path, that it was doomed or like in so many words, right? My goodness, like if I had believed that and I did for a long time, and if I had continued to believe that, wow, I wouldn't be where I am now. Like I've shared this with Beth and I've shared this before in the podcast, but this latest practitioner I worked with, I was like, I will only work with you if you believe I can heal 100%. And so it took me a long time to get there. And so I guess my thought is, man, it's amazing that we can arrive to these places. And I'm sure the journey is part of it. So I don't mean to discredit that, you know, that can't be healing in and of itself in a strange way. But hearing that when you're in a place that is not um, grounded or in your truth can be detrimental. And yeah, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's like reminding me, I had a provider said to me one time, uh, there's a reason people like you have miscarriages. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. But you know, it's, it's when you're saying like, like standing in our truth, I think this is so important, right? As we're talking about the theme of Kat's story, because yes. in those moments, you know, in this postmodern era, I feel like it's, it, truth can get really slippery. You know, it's like my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth and everything can be true. And it can get, it can sometimes get us in like uh, chaos and to where there's no um, true touchstone. And I think what I'm learning is that the who you are, your essence is up to you to decide and no mm -hmm. one else can come in and tell you who you are unless you let them. And as I'm hearing your story, Kat, I just hear so much around 
themes that, oh my gosh, Desiree, I'm, I know you're probably feeling this too. Like we are hearing so many themes around being a deeply sensitive child who sees, who knows, who wants to tell truth in the midst of a dark, dark place where people might be doing the best they can, but they're saying, stop that. Don't be who you are. And if you want love, which you do because you're a little kid, these are going to be the conditions. And over time, mm -hmm. it's self-denial. And it's like, wait, I don't know my essence. I don't know the truth of who I am. And so you start looking at unhealthy people to tell you how you get love and how you become loved, right? For you, you still had that touchstone of like, I do love myself. Why don't people love me? But there was a barrier to receiving that. It was like, I'm so independent. I'm so strong, right? It's like this, this need to be something else. And Desiree and I talk about this is a process of unlearning, uncovering. It's like mm -hmm. over and over like that. That's not me. And that's not me. And that's not me. And mm -hmm. so I'm just, I'm hearing that and honoring that in your story. And for people who might be sitting, um, listening in that process, it's a, it's a big task, but it is one that's worth a lifetime if it takes you that long, you know? So yeah, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing all that you've shared so far. I don't know if there was any more to um, that piece of the story before we maybe um, ask you some questions. Yeah. there. Well, I have to follow up with what this doctor then later said, because I just think it's funny at this point. Um, and probably because of where I was at with it. Uh, what she said wasn't the worst of it. Um, but it. But I appreciate what you're saying. I think just to kind of um, put a bow on what you're saying. Yeah, like the well was dry for me. So I stopped going to the well. But what I didn't realize was there were other wells. There were other wells with water overflowing. And so I just decided to to dig my own hole. And it took a really long time and I could get water out of that. But like it was a lot of work. And it was handmade with not enough resources. You know, but other people have like beautiful wells that I could have just joined them in. You know, so yeah, there is there is a an unlearning or a coming up and looking out a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I think th the only other thing I want to say with this with this cancer scare is just how how the healing there for me was really about that love. Um, so yeah, she she scared me, um, but I have a faith and I have a spirituality and I have a grounding and. And so I took seriously what she said. You know, she was pretty convinced it was going to be cancer because we we then planned a surgery to go in and get more tissue to be tested. And um, I reached out to my community and I let them know. And I have never felt so loved. And as much as I've been doing all these other things over the years, over the decades, um, I think that this this cancer scare came to me to fully let this land in an even more deep way that I am so loved. And and so in this two month period between having to like wait to schedule this surgery because everything's so busy, um, even though like this is urgent, we want to get you in within the next two weeks and then it's the two months out, you know, that's our medical system. Um I felt so loved and I got to just really drink that in and I got to have a lot of beautiful conversations and I got to just um, have a new experience. And not that I hadn't had that before, but it just, I don't know, it just, it really, it really helps when you're looking at the existential because I'd had lots of illness before, but, but never something that was quite so starkly life or death um, in this way. And yeah, my people really showed up. And, and it's because I've created that. I created a community where people can hold me now. And it's because I loved myself and honored myself and cleaned up my roster and got new people in. And um, to me, my body and my spirit healed myself. That love came in and healed me because there was, it wasn't just that like there was things that looked murky. There was precancer on a lot of the tests and biopsies. And so like, well, we, we need to go in. 
When they went in, there was nothing. There was no precancer. There was no cancer. And my doctor said she was shocked. Um, and then she said, and I say this, I thought it was funny at the time, but probably because in the place that I was in, I'm like, you're lucky you said this to me. Because if you said this to someone else, that could have been terrible for them. And I just, it wasn't funny, but I did laugh. I was like, I can't, this is so ridiculous. Um, she's like, yeah, I was really expecting cancer. And she's like, I was, you know, I'm glad you don't have cancer. But I was kind of disappointed. I like to get in there and cut out the bad stuff. And I'm like, this is what's wrong. <laughs> wow. We've got, we've got, you know, some ego in the medical field that want to make it about them and about being healers and knowing. And they know. And they know their protocol. And they know the thing that will heal you. And they know you don't know. And I'm like, no, I think the supplements I did and the energy I work I did with my healer and with myself and I... I hold sacred space and I do, you know, psychedelic work and all of that. And so I um, had all these, these things that I did to love myself and support myself. That's what healed me. I don't think it's because I asked her, I'm like, well, what do you think happened then? Oh, the tests were read wrong. Five out of the seven tests over a span of years were not all wrong. They were read by different people. Every single one of them was read by a different person. They were not all wrong. My body healed itself. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm in this place of freedom and I feel at ease. I see where I made it hard. I don't make it hard anymore, at least for the most part. I mean, I guess Beth can keep me honest and, and tell me what she thinks. Um, cause we're good friends, but I feel like the last parts for me is just I'm I continue to come out of hiding. I continue to be big, I continue to shine a light. That's why I like to help other people in that journey cuz that was my journey. And um I got the best birthday card this year. A friend just wrote cuz he knows, you know what I'm working with. He just he just writes be too much. Period. And it's on my fridge, and I look at it often, and I give it out to others often. Um, and so I just, I'm embracing being too much in a way that I embraced in other ways over the years, but it's it's just has a different quality to it now. I think it's received differently now, because I think before it was more of a protector or some ego or, you know, something like that. But my whole life has changed, and, you know... Every pain point and every difficult part was worth it. Every time I have told the truth and I have been punished for that, whether it was me verbally telling it or just living it out and someone didn't like that, was worth it. It was all worth it because I'm, I'm here today feeling, um, feeling like I have come back into wholeness and I can hold myself and my body seems to like that and I listen to my body you know I, I I've heard that we've got three brains you know the head the heart and the gut and my heart and my gut feel really settled and and they can't lie to me in the way my brain does so I listen to them now and try to keep myself honest you know so my body doesn't have to and I have a community of people that support me in that, you know. So, yeah, I think, I think that's that's where I'm at today. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much for sharing that, Kat. I, um, as a close friend of yours, I I know all of that, but having it laid out for me in that way, it was um, astonishing to me what you've been through. And where you are right now, and how much connection and weaving there is between you and me and Desiree and Rowan and all of you know the guests that we've had on here, the people who I know will come on. I um, I think we are gonna do a part two with you so that we can follow up on some of these big themes around mm -hmm. bypass, <laughs> around <laughs> grief. Um, mm -hmm. around presence and 
you know, Desiree and I talk a lot about the healing power of love, and I, I really so appreciate you adding this nuance that what is loving sometimes looks like grief. What is loving sometimes yeah. looks like sadness. You know, when we say love, yeah. we don't mean cheerful. Like it is part of it, but it's truth mm -hmm. and honesty in the body. That's something I tell myself all the time now. Like my body won't let me lie anymore. I cannot lie. If I overwork, if I'm in a relationship with someone that I'm not in integrity with, if someone isn't treating me well and I continue to show up, my body won't let me lie. And what I just am so hopeful in hearing and knowing you as your friend and seeing that, yes, what you have said is true. You have been in those places of like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hike this mountain. I can't go. I can't. My feet hurt so bad. Like I can't go anywhere. And now it's like I'm hiking nine miles every day and not out of force, but out of joy. And mm -hmm. it gives me so much hope to see that what we talk about, this healing and love, it is real. It's real. It's true. It's true, it's true, it's true, it's true, it's true. And so getting this message out and getting to talk a little bit more in our next episode about maybe some of the nuances around that, what is love and how does bypass and grief and all of the rest fit in. I'm really looking forward to digging in. I, I know you are too, Desiree. Absolutely. I can't wait to chat more. So I'm excited to take this little break and come back on and start chatting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. Thank you both for holding space. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, um, I think it's everyone's gift to share their story. And it's, I'm grateful to have a space to do that here. Um, it's, a, it's, it's freedom for me. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that you can resonate with it. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. I think. Yeah that you're spot on when you say sharing our stories. Um, it's so important, but I think it's, it's inevitable that it's a snowball effect of healing, right? It doesn't just heal us, although that happens too, but it heals those who hear it. And it gives us hope in a way we couldn't experience. It gives us love in a way we couldn't experience otherwise. So yeah, yeah. we're so grateful. Thank you. Thank you for your vulnerability and for showing up here today. Yeah. Thank so you. Lovely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, friends. We will be back next time with Kat to dig in a little bit deeper.